Dermot and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. And thank you to everybody who's pointed me in the direction of the We Will Wash It song from Bagpuss. This is the song. This is my childhood, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is the little mice in bagpuss. Why do all those characters in that show sound like they're from Downton Abbey? They're all so posh. Oh yes, well there was there was a, a kind of a, a bookend. He was a bird, and he was very posh. an old bottle. There may be something inside it, but I can't see what it is because it's too dirty. It's too dirty. <laughs> so that was what I grew up on. There, that was the guy of television I was watching when I was small. Well, our next guest is a hell of a lot younger, and uh, thankfully doesn't remember those terrible kids' programs. <laughs> uh, she's actually a four-time Paralympian, a gold medal holder, an unbelievable dancer, and now she's taking on the world of podcasting. Morning, Ellen Keane. Hello. How I are had you? no idea what was going on in that Yeah, class. you're like, am I part of this? So basically we were talking about there's a celebration of 100 years of the BBC coming on. To, apparently they're 100 years old this year. Yes. But I was just talking about the, the TV shows I remember as a kid coming over from school and Bagpost is one of them. You're far too young to remember. Even Dermot doesn't I remember. I kind of know what it is, but okay. I didn't know what that clip was. There you go. And, and then that's that weird song. When you came home from school, what were you watching as a kid? Like really young Barney. Barney, Barney okay. was a big one. And then whatever it was on Nick, Nickelodeon, you know. Yeah. Like what shows were on Nickelodeon? Like Sabrina. Sabrina, Saved by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. Sweet Valley High. Would you watch that? No. no, I love Sweet Valley High. Um, And Zoe 101. Yeah. Was yeah, that again, was great, yeah. I was in my 20s, you were coming <laughs> yeah, up to school. I was say, like, yeah. Ellen was probably six and seven, like, <laughs> I was 26 <laughs> and watching Sweet Valley High. You've got to be done. Uh, come here, it's great to have you in. Thank you. And great to meet you in person, finally. Congratulations on everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, like to be busy. <laughs> you've, done, you've done so much, you continue to do so much. Are you spending much time in the pool? I am, yeah. Um, so once kind of the Dancing with the Stars whole thing finished, mm. I, I went back straight in. Like I was still I was still swimming while I was dancing, but I, I got to go back full time. And then I had a little bit, of, I had like a week or two off after the World Championships in the summer. And then... Yeah, I just, I just, I'm back to the grind and I've already been quite open and public about wanting to retire after Paris mm. in 24 and it's so strange. It nearly makes it so much easier going training now. Like I, Because I, you can see an end. Yeah, even the hard sets, I'm like, do you know what? This is one of the last times I'm going to be doing this sort of hard set and, and I'm loving it. Swimming is an amazing sport in terms of the effort required because I know people who swim like and not at anywhere near the level you swim but when we were kids they would like say things to us like you know oh I was up at five went to the pool and now I'm here in school and you were like what? Like there was no other sport that got you up at that time to do your bit of everything was after school everything but swimming and to do it for as long as you've done it for it is such a drain right? I can't wait to have dry hair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the skiing and hair care routine I'm going to have when I retire is going to be on no chlorine imagine no I know, chlorine do you know what it's so weird as well because uh, chlorine stays kind of on your skin for a long time mm. and during lockdown because we we weren't in the pool at all, the smell of chlorine started to leave my body, and I was like, "Is this actually what I smell like?" <laughs> like if, if you smell me right now, there's always going to be a little hint of chlorine. A little hint me. of chlorine, yeah, yeah. But it is it is such a disciplined sport, right? Like yeah. you got to put in so much work to get where you get. Yeah, it is a lot, and it's, it's very very hard. And I I guess a lot of people say to me, uh, "Oh, swimming is one of the hardest sports," and mm. I wouldn't call it the hardest sport to train because, geez, I respect rowers and cyclists so much sure. what they do, but it's just more 
it can be very boring and there's a lot of errors that you have to put into it but the, the fun and the racing that comes at the other side of the season it makes it all worth it okay well that's good to hear and um, I mean in terms of, of growing up and your first memories of getting into the pool what was that like for you? Uh, I just loved the water. I loved, mm. I spent a lot of time in the sea. So we, we holidayed in Killaloo and Clare uh, every summer. And we would, me and my siblings would do kind of the water sports camps. Loved being in the sea, loved swimming. And I learned how to swim with my brothers and my sister when I, as soon as I could kind of walk, I was in mm. swimming. Like, um, like, honestly, like two? Like, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, that's how, like I'm 27. It's been 25 years. Oh my God, swimming. that is very young to learn. I mean, I, I've still got like a 10 year old who, can just about swim my seven year olds are like when are we going back to lessons daddy I'm like soon armband girls soon <laughs> and you know what? two I, is young yeah yeah but I, I it was just kind of to get in with them and water safety is so important mm. and even like when you go away on holidays and just knowing that you can swim and yeah. The peace of mind that gives you it gives you a whole different experience when you're on holidays as well. So I guess my parents and, wanted, and your parents, yeah, <laughs> my parents wanted that experience for me. Um, and I I didn't really I I was good at the lessons, and but I actually couldn't wait to be finished the lessons because I found them quite boring. Right. And then I found the sport of swimming, which is why I stayed. Like I love the racing, I love the control, and I love kind of when you dive in, you kind of forget what's going on around you and it's all about mm. being present in the moment mm. and swimming to me is nearly like mindfulness I'm a little bit afraid of the retirement because I'm like I might go a little stir crazy because <laughs> I need I need it's, it's the place I go to figure out my problems okay. I kind of get the mindfulness from it because it forces you to be away from your phone as well and yeah. not a lot of sports can do that like because you're in water you can't really go near technology and that's what I love about swimming and what point? At what point did you realize you could do it competitively? I mean, obviously, you broke records because you were at thirteen. You were Ireland's youngest ever athlete uh, at the two thousand and eight Beijing Olympics. But at what point did you go? I I can actually win medals doing this. Um, it was quite early on that people started talking about my potential. So I remember my first ever competition uh, representing Ireland was. I think I was about nine years old and I went to a junior competition and I came back with four silver medals. And from that competition, I think people started to be like, oh, there's potential here and mm. and wait and see like how close Ellen gets to the qualifying times for Beijing. And then when I was 12, I got the qualifying time uh, in the 100 metre brushstroke. And when I was 13, that's when the 2008 Beijing Paralympics were on. Um, and I went to that. And I, a few, actually a few months before those games, my appendix burst and I was in the hospital for a week and I wasn't allowed to train for like three weeks or something. Mm. And I was still able to, literally pure talent. This is the thing, young kids have such, such talent and it gets some places, but then you have to learn how to work hard. So as a kid, I was really, really good because I had that talent, but I didn't have the worth ethic and I didn't Mm. know what hard work was. Um... And I kind of learned that as I was growing up and it was kind of only really after London that I I realised what hard work was. Yeah, but obviously it paid off. For people who don't know, you won gold in Tokyo in 2020 with a 100 metre breaststroke and bronze in Rio in 2016 and uh, silver at the World Championships in Madeira uh, this year. Yeah. Um, How was that? 
Uh, do you know what? That was probably the funnest race I've ever had because I was coming back off. I had won the gold medal in Tokyo. I did Dancing with the Stars. I was getting back into training full time and then I got COVID. So mm. like a few weeks before World Championships, I got COVID. And even the week before my race, I had to pull out from uh, another event that I was due to swim because I just couldn't finish like 50 meters. I was struggling so hard to finish really? 50 meter. Yeah, I had absolutely no energy. And then uh, just I had a week of rest and then the pressure was off. It was just more about enjoy it, get back into racing, get back into the routine. And I had no idea I was going to come away with a silver medal. So to come away with a silver medal, I was thrilled. But so many people were like, oh my God, I'm so sorry you didn't win gold. And I was like, oh, what are you talking about? That would have been an absolute ridiculous story if I came away with a gold medal after being dancing for four months. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, for anybody, aerobic fitness in any elite level, uh, you know, sport is going to be important. But in the pool particularly, you need those lungs to be working exactly the way you can trust them, you know? Oh my God, yeah. And I had... I had such fear I was like am I ever going to be able to swim again mm. um, but thankfully I did and you know I, I've I've got my Paralympic gold medal I've got a European gold medal I've never been world champion and we have world championships in the summer in the so summer yeah that's kind of 2023 2023 uh, and go out in a, with the gold in 2024 and then everything's fine yeah, you've got the career box off <laughs> I'm focus on one thing at a time so Manchester yeah. uh, world championships are in August next year and that's what I'm training for I always wanted to ask a swimmer actually um, in, in lots of uh, sport the location matters so for example you know, playing football, I remember when the World Cup was in Brazil, the altitude was an issue. And certainly in Uruguay in the 30s, that was the thing. Or, you know, for running marathons, if it's humid or whatever. Because pools are indoors, does it matter where you are in the world? Um, yes and no. In terms of competing, not really. It's climate controlled. You're always bound to get the same conditions whenever you compete. And uh, when it's world, when it's world stage, um, it has to be indoors as well. So European level can be outdoors. Can be outdoors, okay. Yeah, but World Championships and uh, the Paralympic Games need to be indoors. Um, but it, you still have to manage yourself when it comes to how much time you spend outside and especially when it came to Tokyo we were we were prepping in terms of getting slushies in to learn how to cool down our bodies okay. after training um, even when we go away now we bring scooters so we don't walk because that's that's taking too much time on our feet and okay. that's recovery that we're not getting so you'll you might, you might see me around Dublin Airport on a scooter <laughs> there's a reason for it it's literally ridiculous I I've saw that Ellen so Keane one in Dublin on a scooter wouldn't even walk to the gate <laughs> yeah Absolute diva over here. But that's, that's kind of like the little things you need to do to mm. get the advantage. Uh, well, talk to us about the D word because uh, this is why you're here. And I know we're fascinated by the whole world of swimming and all your wonderful achievements. But the D word, D word is a brand new podcast supported by Allianz. Yeah. And tell us about it. I'm so excited about this. It's kind of been, it's been something I wanted to do for so long and I've got so much kind of personal attachment to it. So basically the D word is about disability um, and my sponsors who've been my sponsors for so long, Allianz have come on board with me to help me kind of be able to make good quality podcasts and be able to tell these stories properly. So I get a lot of airtime because of my sport and mm. uh, not a lot of people with disabilities do. And a lot of people with disabilities don't have a voice and it's hard like I've tried to do my best at trying to educate people on different disabilities but I don't know what it's like being in a wheelchair I don't know what it's like uh, maybe being visually impaired or different types mm. of disabilities and also I was born like this so yeah. I don't know what it's like to get a disability so my podcast is uh 
a weird thing happens when two disabled people are talking. We have that little bit of banter that if anyone else in the room was in the room, they'd be like, "Do I speak?" I don't, I don't know how to react. They're slagging each other's disabilities over which one they'd rather have, and I don't know where to look. Um, so there's a bit of banter. Um, it's it's a bit of fun, but it's also going to be a bit educational. Each episode, there's going to be a different type of disability um, discussed. My first guest is one of my teammates who's been a longtime friend of mine, Mr. James Scully, and I think he's the perfect person to have as my first guest because I've known him for so long there are no boundaries <laughs> we literally just have the crack and like it's just telling the story and trying to get um, disability like in the mainstream and, yeah. and mm-hmm. getting people more comfortable around it I think that's because we're not exposed to it enough we don't know if we're saying the right thing we get a bit uncomfortable one of my guests uh, is autistic and even I'm like is this the right language mm-hmm. like just making sure you're using the right language and like what do you do how do you react if someone says the wrong thing and it's just it's just kind of making it more comfortable for people. That's to, a great idea. Yeah, and and I think it's a, a special niche to have a disabled person interviewing the other disabled person because there's a safety net there. There's yeah. like, if I say the wrong thing, I'm not going to be afraid of saying the wrong thing because I know people say the wrong thing to me all the time and yeah. it's just an understanding that we have between each other and it's a community that we have that kind of needs to be brought to the public a bit more and it is an educational tool and like Allianz have been so good in terms of just being like go ahead we don't need to clear anything just do what you need to do and they're all about changing perspective of people with disabilities as well so it's it's a perfect Mm. partnership where where can people get it because that's the the question is it wherever you can get your podcast yes so it's coming out on Thursday this Thursday 27th of October and it's going to be wherever you get your podcast so if you get it on Spotify like I do that's where I get mine and that's where it's going to be the Mm. D word with Ellen Keane so make sure you pick that up on Thursday and listen to it every week please do and uh, you were born without the lower half of your left arm has your relationship with your disability changed at all over the years yes definitely um, so when I was growing up I, I would have been a really happy kid and then I became a teenager and as every teenager does you start to notice the world and get insecurities and kind of suffer with self esteem and co- body confidence and my thing was I'm never going to have an arm uh, I'm, I'm never going to have two hands and I tried to hide it I was really insecure about it I mm. wasn't proud of my disability and through sport I kind of lo- learned to love my body so now it's so important for me to kind of share my story and, and share that you can kind of come out the other end um, so like it's so important to me to identify as disabled because I was so ashamed of it for one and for another a lot of people told me I wasn't disabled enough so I didn't know like where I fit. Right, like, that's interesting. Yeah, there's been so many times in my life that I've been told, oh, you can't do that because you're not disabled enough or you can't do that because you have one hand. And I'm like, well, there's a spectrum here. Yeah. I, I do belong as a disabled person. Mm. And I hope that me being so open about it and owning it and being proud of it is going to give other people the confidence to kind of embrace themselves. Totally. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, even your appearance on Dancing with the Stars will do so much for the community to, to see someone representing them. Yeah. You know, in, in a, not in a, it's not disabled dancing with the stars, it's dancing with the stars. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And even that, like, I, because I've been doing the same thing for so long as in swimming, uh, trying something new and not having someone to compare myself to, I actually kind of struggled at times in dancing with the stars yeah. because I, I, I was told to hold my body in a certain way and have my frame in a certain way. And I'd be like, but it doesn't look like that. Like, how do I look like that? And it kind of attacks your own confidence. And uh, it's just kind of reminding yourself, like, sometimes you have to be the first person to do it, to give other people permission yeah. to do the same. And uh, I'm kind of hoping other people will be given these opportunities and these chances. And 
I'd love Ireland to become a lot more accessible and a lot more accepting of disabilities. I think we're on the right track, but I think we have a lot a long way to go because uh, sometimes I do nearly feel like a bit of a token. One of my guests as well, he has a disability and we kind of get invited to the same things and we're always joking how we're the token disabled people. Right. Um, but it's just, we need to make more space for disabled voices because there's, there's so Someone much creativity. Someone needs to blaze yeah. the trail and right now, because of what you, everything you've achieved, you maybe have that opportunity. Yeah, so, I kind of wish I, it wasn't It wasn't, me. I know, I, a lot like, of people I say that. It yeah. so much. I cringe. <laughs> it's also like, it's, there's so, it's, you have so much responsibility. It's mm. so, it's, it's quite heavy to carry. Yeah, that's um, fair. At times I do struggle with carrying it and you want to get back to everyone and you want to represent everyone and you want to do everything. But at the same time, my job is to swim. My job is to win medals for Ireland. And then on the side, I'm trying to do a little bit of good and give Well, you're back. doing a lot of good, in yeah. fairness. And the D word is definitely going to be something that will so help people. If everyone could listen to it, that yes. would be great. Yeah. Thursday, <laughs> wherever you get your podcast, the D word with Ellen Keane is out. Make sure you listen. Ellen, it's a pleasure to meet you. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks, guys. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am. Today FM.